0: Our scripture lesson that was read came from the first book of Samuel, the second chapter and the first through the second verses. But in order for you to get the full context of that particular text, I want you to indulge me for a few minutes by allowing me to read the entire first chapter in the first book of Samuel. I'm going to read 1 Samuel chapter 1 in its entirety, and then we will be able to get to our focus text, which is in the second chapter of 1 Samuel. I invite you to now lend me the ears of your hearts and listen carefully to the story, for it sets the precedent for what it is that we will be hearing from the Lord today. 1 Samuel, the first chapter, beginning at the first verse, and it reads as follows. Now there was a certain man from Ramatham, Zophim, from the hill country of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, and Ephraimite. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man would go up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests to the Lord there. When the day came that Elkanah, Sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. It happened year after year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her, so she wept and would not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat and why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now, Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. Now it came about, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart. Only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Then Eli said to her, how long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah replied, No, my Lord, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. She said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they arose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned again to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. It came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son And she named him Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Then the man Elkanah went up with all his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Remain until you have weaned him, only may the Lord confirm his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, with a three-year-old bull and one ephah of flour and a jug of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. She said, Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Pretty lengthy, but I hope you've followed the story. In many ways, our society has a tendency to underestimate and discount the value of women in favor of exalting the contribution of men. It's no more evident in the way that women are sometimes paid less than men who do the exact same job, even though, even though sometimes they do it even better than the men. Women are often ignored and dismissed as secondary in favor of men who in positions of authority makes us wonder how did they even get that job in the first place. The point is our society and several other societies as well have not progressed as far as they could because they have chosen to limit the opportunities of more than half the population. Because of all this, I am forced to ask, what is it about women that drive the dominant culture, men, to be so antagonistic and hostile to them? We could ask the same question about about the dominant class and how they treat African-Americans. What is it that makes people who are in positions of power feel like they have to hold somebody back for whatever reason in order to feel like They are better. I'm not quite sure, but I believe I might have a clue to the reason why this is so. And in the context of our story of Hannah and in honor of Women's History Month, I want to speak a message today that I have titled, More Than This. More Than This. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, you have created us and fashioned us in your very image. And when you made woman a helpmeet, you took her from the side of man. Not from the ground, not even from the air, but from the side of men. And so, Father, as you've given us this helpmeet, help us to open up our hearts and our minds to realize that if we didn't need help, there would be no need for a help meet. So help us, Lord, to recognize our own limitations in you and to acknowledge that because you only give good gifts, we are to each other, both men and women, gifts from you. So bless us now and to bless and bless this message and this word that someone will hear it and understand that there is more to them than this. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the long and short of the story is simply this, just in case you were listening, but you got lost along the way. (laughs) This man named Elkanah had two wives, one named Hannah, and the other Penina. But only Penina could have children, and she had sons and daughters. Hannah. Had nobody. There was because of this a bitter rivalry between the two wives about their ability to bear children, even though Elkanah was always very solicitous and and, and, and basically loving to Hannah. He almost as if he pitied her. But he gave her the best of the best because he pitied her. But in her distress, Anna now prayed to God for a son. And as a condition of God fulfilling that request, she promised to dedicate the son to God. Now, while she was praying, Eli, the priest, saw her. And he first saw her and mistook her for being a drunken, stupid person or woman. That's what he saw. Not a praying woman but a drunken, stupid woman, according to his eyes. So much so that he chastised her, and he actually accused her, which she had to now politely defend herself. But not too long after, he then blessed her. He gave her his blessing. And the text tells us that once he gave her his blessing, she was no longer sad, and she was now glad, and she left in good spirits. Later on, she had a child, and she eventually took the child to the tabernacle and did exactly what she said she would do. She dedicated the child to the Lord. This idea and this motif of the barren woman who is given a child by God later on plays an important role throughout the Old Testament. If you are familiar with the Old Testament and its stories, you only need look at the barrenness of Sarah, until she gave birth to Isaac. You may also remember Rachel, who gave birth later on to Joseph and Benjamin, the wife of Manoah until the arrival of Samson. And even in the New Testament, we are familiar with Elizabeth, who eventually gave birth to John the Baptist. So we have all of these women who were once barren, eventually, eventually giving birth. So the effect of these stories is they, they all underscore the importance of getting a son. But the idea of barrenness is something that we all need to contend with in these scriptures. The stories of barren women is frequent with some kind of rival wife who has born children, and her infertility irritates someone else. Think of Hagar and Sarah, mm-hmm. Leah and Rachel, and here we have Penina and Hannah. The barrenness of women meant that she was of no value, she was cursed, she's a bearer of no fruit, she is useless. That's what this is really telling us about how the society sees this barren woman. A person to be despised who brings shame to her household and to her family. In our present day, we may equate the condition of barrenness to you feeling like you have nothing to add or you have no value. You, something to the effect that you may be thinking you might be useless to God. There may be many reasons why people feel that way. For why would you say to yourself sometimes, why would God use someone like me? I have no education or I did not amount to anything. I didn't finish high school. I don't have a job. I don't have a family. Whatever the reasons are, we find many reasons to, 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 to excuse the fact that we are where we are because God has turned his back on us. We feel barren. Many of us. So it's not limited to to a woman not being able to have a child. It's to every single one of us who feel like something that we should be giving of ourselves is not possible because of whatever reason. Maybe God just don't like me. Well, I came to tell you that if God made you, you've got a purpose in him. And God, who is specific, intentional, and deliberate, has a plan for you, a plan that only he knows that if he were to show you that plan, you might not want it. But there are some things in life that God wants to take us to that requires us to get to a place of humility where we feel we have nothing to add. Why? Because his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Sometimes when you are at your lowest point, is the place that God really wants you to get to so that he can show himself mighty and strong through you, O ye of little faith. So barrenness back then was seen as a curse. And in today's terms, our perceived failures can be equated to many of us feeling quite barren. But what is perceived as failure, what is perceived as impossible to man, is possible for God. For nothing is impossible to God. But the story goes beyond a barren woman. It also goes and introduces us to a blind priest. Mm -hmm. Eli, the priest, whose leadership role in Israel would eventually be taken over by Samuel, misunderstood the multiple prayers and the cry of Hannah. According to the theology of Eli, Any woman who spoke to herself and whose lips were moving without making a sound must be drunk. Eli, supposedly a discerning priest, did not recognize piety and true faith. And as a result, his discernment of Hannah's spiritual condition ended up in a false accusation. Brothers and sisters, it is a sad, sad commentary. When the priest or the pastor has no relationship with his congregation, and because he does not know them, starts to levy false accusations at them. Sometimes people don't know your story or your situation. They see you praising a certain way. They see you worshiping a certain way, and they'll say in their minds, and again, it's not just priests. It don't take all of that. You all have heard it. You have seen people who they seem to be making a fool of themselves. But if you know what they've been through, you'd be giving God the same praise and the same glory too. We don't know their story. And so sometimes when someone has fallen on their knees at the altar and crying out and screaming to, the, to God, maybe even in thanksgiving or even in worship, far be it from us to make assumptions about someone else's praise. But Hannah's response to the priest, as I said, was polite and firm. She had not been drinking, but she was persistent in her desire to hear from God. And she had been pouring out her heart and her feelings to Yahweh. But don't miss the fact, don't miss the fact, brothers and sisters, that He, the priest, still had authority to extend the blessing of God upon this woman. And this woman eventually went away with her countenance changed, and now she was able to conceive. Now, I'm going to throw something in here that might or might not be true biblically. Who knows if the stress of this woman was what was causing her to not conceive? I don't know. But what I do know is what the text says that after the priest blessed her, And her countenance changed. And she felt different about the God she served. She was now in a place where she was able to conceive. Brothers and sisters, don't miss the point. It's not about having a baby. It's about you recognizing that sometimes what you want from God requires an attitude adjustment in you. The reason why we pray is not because we want to make people hear our good words, is that prayer sets our attitude and our hearts in the right place so that we may receive what God is saying. Oh God, open their spiritual eyes, that they may see that there is more of us than more of you that is for them than against them. Sometimes the reason you don't hear from God is not other people, but yourself. Sometimes you are standing in the way of your own blessing simply because you need an attitude adjustment. Am I talking to anyone? I'm simply, I'm making a point here. You don't really need the priest. You just need you to know who God is. So, this takes us now to our text for today. And I'm only reading the first two verses from 1 Samuel, the second chapter. Here is what happens after Hannah conceived. She says this, my heart rejoices in the Lord, attitude. Mm-hmm. The Lord has made me strong, endurance. Now I have an answer for my enemy's authority. I rejoice because you rescued me. No one is holy like the Lord, faith. There is no one besides you, hope. And finally, there is no rock like our God, Assurance, right in those first two verses in Hannah's song of praise, attitude, endurance, authority, faith, hope, and assurance. Is that your story? When you go to God or when God gives you a blessing, is that your story? Are you rejoicing in the right attitude with the endurance that lets you know that God has made you strong? Because when the mountains come and when the obstacles come, he has in you exactly what you need to overcome it. So are you enduring? Do you have the authority to walk in what God has promised you? Do you have faith, hope, and most of all, the assurance that he is God? The Song of Hannah is an apt celebration of the God who gives a child to this barren woman and thus shows his compassion for life and the longing of the hearts of his people. There is something in every single one of you that God needs to birth. Whatever that something is, I don't know, but every one of you is pregnant with promise. The question becomes, Are you you in the place where you won't have to deal with stillbirth? I'm talking metaphorically. Mm -hmm. I want you to understand that God has placed in every single one of us something that this world needs. Otherwise, you would not be here. So I'm trying to help everyone to understand that your faith is something that God wants to, to arrest And to get a hold of. Enemies of Hannah or others who would try to derail God's plan will experience defeat at his hands every single time. The song of Hannah puts the stories about Samuel in their proper perspective. If you don't know anything about Samuel, know this to be true. He became one of the greatest prophets in all of Israel. Hannah's baby boy became one of the greatest prophets from this woman who was barren. What's in you that God needs to get out? So what's the point of the story and in the context of Women's History Month? Why why am I talking about this? Well, on the one hand, as I said before, our society is filled with men who by virtue of their own prejudices, their own cultural biases, their own misunderstandings of God's grand plan are only able to see women, all women, most women, as barren, weak, soft and incapable, fragile and unworthy of accomplishing things that they deem important. I'm talking the truth. Whether or not you have experienced the prejudice of men, when you have done great things, you have, you have earned all the qualification, but yet still this ceiling you can't seem to penetrate. Let me be clear, let me just digress here for a moment. I am not intimidated in the least, in the least by the giftings of others. If you are amazing, you are amazing all by yourself. And I can celebrate your accomplishments. I can celebrate your worth because it is no indication of my own failings. And far too often, many people in the dominant society are are oppressing others because every time you succeed, it may be a reminder of their own shortcomings. And that's the truth. Sometimes people who are oppressing you, whether they are black, white, green, yellow, pink, indigo, or violet, man or woman, is simply because your achievements and your success is a constant reminder of how much they have underachieved. I'm just saying it like it is. So so, there's, so so this is how they see. But God is no respecter or person. So I'm here to tell you that whether you are male or female, you may feel like you're unworthy, but there's more to you than this. There's a lot more to you than this. When we think about this idea of being more to you than this, our thoughts immediately go to what? The value that we place on ourselves. Our society is reeling from a generation of people who feel like they have nothing to add and no value. They're not important. We see it every day. We see the tragedies and we hear on the news all the time of people who have just had enough and have given up. What a sad state for a world to be in when we serve a God with all of his creative ability has given us even the ability and the skill to go to the moon, yet we can't love our neighbor as ourselves. What is wrong with us? Sin. So if I were to ask any of you in this room, don't raise your hands, are you where you thought you would be at this stage in your life? Don't raise your hands. Most people would say no. I never thought this is where I would be at this stage in my life. In fact, you could even think back to a time when you were younger and you had dreams and you had aspirations and you had ideas of what you think your life would be like. And for many of us, what we saw as children is not the reality that we're living today. Some may be okay with what they have gotten. Some may not be. But at the end of the day, somehow, where you've ended up today is not where you thought you would be when you were 10, 15 years old, growing up and thinking about your life. Which lets us know that you are where you are, not necessarily because of anything you've done wrong, but because because God knows what you need. And sometimes, some of us take a lot longer to learn that than others. And God will not give you anything that you are not yet prepared to handle. Let's be clear. So most of us are not getting all that God has for us because we still need an attitude adjustment. (laughs) To bring it more closer to our story, some of you may have even had dreams of being a husband or a wife. Or like Hannah, having children of your own. All of these dreams are valid. All of these things are worthwhile. But they represent your dreams and your desires. And while some people's dreams come true, the vast reality and the majority of people is that it don't. Most of our dreams do. Listen, I never in a million years thought I would be a pastor of anything. Never in a million years. It was not in my plans. But now as life has unfolded, I've come to realize that there is something that God knew about me that I did not know about myself. And when I gave my heart to the Lord and when I committed myself to him in faith, he started to show me things, wonders, that I never could have imagined. Because even when I got to the pinnacle, if you will, of even the corporate world, it couldn't satisfy me the way that I'm satisfied when someone finds hope in the Lord. I'm not as satisfied with what I was doing pushing spreadsheets and Excel files as I am when I get a privilege to baptize a child. There are some things that God understands about who you are that you would do very well to find out what that thing really is. In our minds, we have thoughts that because I'm not where I thought I should be at this stage in my life, I'm not doing what I would be doing at this stage, then I am worthless. The devil is a liar. You may think you're worthless because you don't have a house or a husband or a car, a job, a family, a career, or friends. The truth is you are exactly where God needs you to be for what it is that God needs to do in you. Wake up and recognize it that people have different stations in life and every single person is called to something different in the kingdom of God and your fulfillment of your purpose is not trying to figure out how to be what you want to be, but to be what God says you are. That is the problem and we need to start telling people the truth. You really can't count so you can't be our steward. Kind of have to tell people the truth. You're really not trustworthy so I can't make you a trustee. Because in the very word is trust. And you don't have that? I'm just saying. Just because you do not have all the things that you want or think you should have, does it mean that you are still not moving according to God's plans. God knows the plans he has for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and plans to give you a future. And that is for every single person. My point then is simply this. There is more to you than this. And this is not based on what you do not have or what you do have. There is more to you than this because of what you will produce. I'll say that again because I think it went over somebody's head. You are not valuable to God because of what you have or what you don't have. Because of who you know or who you don't know. Because of who you love or who you don't love. Because of all of these things. You are not valuable to God because of any of those things. You are valuable to God because of what you can produce. There is something you can produce. And that's the key. You see, Hannah produced Samuel. So it didn't matter if she had ten sons. All that happened is what God wanted was the one. So she was barren, not because of anything wrong with her, but that God wanted Samuel, and it wasn't his time yet. Can you wait on God for your yet? You don't have the things you want yet. You don't, you're not where you're supposed to be yet. Yet. But it doesn't mean you're not gonna get it soon because God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He has the mind and He knows what He needs out of you. Brothers and sisters, it's not yet your time, but it's coming. But it's coming. You see, the focus should never be about you or me, but has to be on your purpose and how God will manifest his glory and his presence through you. Through you. Every single person listening to me right now, you have something of value that God wants you to produce. And every single day, you're either working towards bringing it to pass or you are holding it back. Mm -hmm. That's why faith, which is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen, is so important. Because if you have faith, the size of a mustard seed. Brothers and sisters, you could say to this mountain, oh my gosh, I hope you all are getting this. Hannah probably, and I'm just saying this, Hannah probably was not barren. The text says, yeah, she was barren, but the text was telling you what other people thought. What a mistake we make when we think because someone hasn't done something on our agenda means that they're not on God's agenda. Whose agenda do you want to be on? Because I'm telling you right now, listen, there's a lot of things that I want to happen with this church. I want to see the pews packed. I want to see us with new carpet. I want to see us redo the floor. I want to see us to do all these different things. But that's my agenda. Maybe God is saying, now you need to suffer just a little while so that when it comes, you can appreciate it. I'm just saying, you know, you know, Talk to a mother that hasn't been waiting for a child. And when that child comes, listen, you might do more than just dedicate him to the Lord. Because the fact of the matter is you have to, you, you, you end up being so grateful. So grateful. That's the reason why God will tell us in his scriptures that Jesus is near to the brokenhearted. Because when you have nothing, when you get a glimpse of his glory, it means everything. We live in a nation where it is easy to go to church, to worship, and to pray. Talk to somebody who can't even sit in a pew that would love a pastor to lay his hands on their head, but they're in a place where the minute they show themselves a Christian, they get shot. Talk to a person who would love to be able to sit in a pew, yet we complain that the cushion is not soft enough. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you that our barrenness is does not mean we're barren. Yeah. It just means God hasn't produced mm-hmm. what he wants out of you yet. Mm-hmm. So there's more to you than this. There, you, you, you see, there's more to you than this because even if you think you are worthless, you can transform other people with your kindness. Mm-hmm. With your kindness. You, 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 you have the skills to positively change the life of someone else. You have the ability sometimes to bring hope in situations where people may feel hopeless. How many of you know that one word, one kind word can change somebody's life? You know what it's like when you're feeling really down in the dumps and someone gives you a kind word. Listen, kind words don't cost you anything, yet we hold on to it like it's gold. Listen, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Brothers and sisters, there's more to you than this. You have authority. You have endurance. You have attitude. Your heart should be filled with the love of God because all that will do is drive out the hate that you may harbor for your brother or your sister. But there's more to you than this. You see, the reason why there's more to you than this is because on Calvary's cross, there was this man named Jesus who overcame sin, death, and the grave so that you and I could be free to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and even our neighbor as ourselves. You see, there's more to you than this because if you carry this treasure in this earthen vessel, then you know that you carry a Lord who paid the ransom in full who reconciled us to himself, who defeated the powers of darkness, who bore our grief, who loved us and gave his life for us so that we would have freedom in abundance. There was more to Hannah than what the man saw, not because of who she was or what she had done, but because of what she would produce for the kingdom of God. She produced the great prophet Samuel, who would deliver his nation Through turbulent times. So women of Allen Temple. And even the men. There's more to you than this. Than what you see. Or even what I see. I don't sit or stand in judgment of you. My role in this church. Is to really get to understand who you are. So that I can speak words of life into you. According to what the spirit of the Lord is telling me. So that out of you will be birthed the purpose, and the plan for God. I don't have time to envy you because the greater you are is the greater we are. So I have a vested interest in your spiritual development, in your growth, and in your prosperity. And it is not a selfish desire for me to see you grow and be strong in your faith. It is that it is what pleases our Lord. For he died for that reason so that you and I could be the best examples of why we love the way we love, why we worship the way we worship, why we pray the way we pray. There's more to you than this. So don't get stuck today if you feel barren or maybe feeling like you don't have an ability to give birth to something that God wants. I came today to let you know that if you are here right now listening to me, watching me, watching me, it's not by accident because you have something that God wants in this world. You have a purpose in God's grand plan or he would not have created you for God wastes nothing. You matter to God and you matter to us. And if I have any discernment at all, <laughs> like the priest. If I have any discernment of all, I can say this with all confidence, without fear of contradiction, or without hesitation. If I have any discernment of all, may the Lord God of Israel, the God of Allen Temple, grant you every request that you have made of him. For there is more to you than this may the Lord richly richly bless you my beloved